All right, what you've all been expecting and waiting for, uh, we thank you, Lord, for um, bringing his servant with us, uh, Bruce Hefner. He is with the Gospel Horn Ministry, and uh, by what we understand, he has blessed many of our people in the islands already. And Eunice and Eddie called up about Bruce coming down. I said, but I don't know him. Eunice said, but you know me. That's enough. That was enough. I says, okay, if he does anything wrong tonight, you're in trouble. But I'm sure he won't. We had a blessing this morning already, amen, through his ministry. And Ruth and uh, Deborah, it's such a joy to have you. The rest of the time is yours.
Isn't Jesus wonderful? I'll tell you what, we started this service and we heard these pressing and distressing needs around the world. Isn't it wonderful to know, even though we have not had to face that, it's easy for us to say, but is Jesus up to the task? We pray for these people and remain in prayer. Um, they're paying a price for the faith that we have yet to even think about. Uh, and so um, it's a good service tonight. Jesus is wonderful. We're glad uh, for this opportunity to be here and share with you tonight for a little bit. And uh, uh, I'm reminded of a story of, uh, of C.S. Lewis was once asked, um, what was the difference uh, of Christianity to all other so-called faiths, so-called religions? And uh, he had walked in upon a discussion where men were arguing, well, was it salvation itself? Was it this? Was it the authority of God's word? And he came walking into the room and was asked that question, what he felt it was. And he said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. And uh, this morning, if you were worshiping in this room this morning, you heard the gospel in a powerful way. My wife and I are highly honored and privileged to be here today and we heard this morning two wonderful things we heard a message that was a warning from the word of god you know it just floored me some of the things that you know all of your life and then you hear a message about it and uh, we got to uh, uh chapter 10 and verses 8 and 9 were the penalty the warning that comes to us for simple things like grumbling isn't that convicting isn't that convicting and so, you know, we just place ourselves at the feet of Jesus because he's wonderful. And we plead on him because the other thing that we saw this morning was the remedy for all of that. And boy, did we have some great singing about the love of God and the way out of the destruction. That was just a mighty service. It was We were just so glad to be here. I want to sing a song and play with you for you tonight. Um, just one of my favorite songs, just on the theme of grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon 
and is greater than all of your past rolled up in one. All of our sin. Grace, grace.
grace that we've been saved, huh? Not of works. Nobody earned it. Nobody bought it. Nobody tried for it. It's just grace. There's a story that's told in, in, in our country. I live in Pennsylvania. This is in the Midwest part of our country where there's a college campus. It sits in a valley. And um, uh, in the valley, the boys' dorms are over here. The girls' dorms are over here. And, and, the, and the classrooms and so forth, library, chapel is in the middle. And uh, one morning, there's a water tower uh, I need to tell you about that sits up a little bit on the, on the hillside. And the reason they built it that way was easy to pump up water into the tower and then they only had to do it periodically then the water was supposed to feed the entire campus for a long period of time one morning the boys were, were showering getting ready for their day and the water was cut off and um, they thought the girls on the other side of the campus were playing a practical joke on them so they hurriedly took the shampoo off and cleaned themselves up and got dressed and ran over there they were going to get the girls an interesting thing happened on, on the way over to the girls. The girls were running down from their side of the campus and to get the boys because their water went out as well. After a little while, they discovered, of course, that uh, there was a bigger problem than just a prank. The water was going to the whole campus. And so they they called the people in charge of such things and maintenance on the on the campus. And uh, they came and they began to investigate. They could find no reason for what was going on had to bring in fire trucks from the town uh, to supply water until they could remedy the situation. Finally, they began to just tear up pipes that would lead up to the water tower, and they were digging, and they pulled up the first pipe. Everything looked good, but it was dry. So they pulled up the second. They worked for a couple of days. They tore up the entire line to get up to the water tower. And on the very last piece of pipe, the pipe where the elbow goes up, to get the gravity-fed water, they found, believe it or not, they found a bullfrog that had somehow, it was so perplexing, somehow a bullfrog had gotten into the elbow, got stuck, and clogged off the water supply to the campus and shut everything down. The engineers were standing around thinking about this. How is it possible? You know, bullfrogs, certainly they didn't jump in the drains and work their way that away. Certainly they didn't jump from the ground up to the, to the water tower and then somehow fall through. No, no, no. Finally, someone realized what had happened. One day when they were pumping water up, a little tadpole was in the line. And a tadpole went into the water tower. And... It grew, it was eating off the algae off the side of the tower and so forth. It grew, and tadpoles become frogs. And one day, the frog who had grown was swimming around, just got a little too close to the outtake pipe. Boom, down he goes. Shut off everything. I thought of that story as I listened to the message this morning. Because sin is like that. <laughs> 
There's not a soul in Nassau tonight. Whatever crime will be committed, whatever violence may occur, there's not a soul who planned to do that when they were a child. But you know what happened? Sin took a root. It's, we're just like that. A tadpole gets in our heart. And unless we allow to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, unless we call upon his name to purge us of that, to cleanse us from the unrighteousness, to give us strength and power through Christ's name to live, guess what that tadpole is going to become? It's going to become a bullfrog beating in your heart of sin. We see it all around of us. And, and I, I just so think of that from time to time. Uh, folks, don't let the tadpoles grow into bullfrogs. Keep your heart pure. And you can't do that. Um, only Jesus can. There's a song for, for those of you who like uh, southern gospel music. Where are you? Put your... Oh, brother. That's what, okay. How many of you like real music? Let's put your hands up. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I know that you're into that a little bit, and a lot of folks are. Um, the Tallies were the first to introduce this song, oh my goodness, 20 years ago perhaps, and I immediately loved it. And uh, my mother used to sing, tell me, sing it slower. I can't understand the words uh, because it flies. It's can he, could he, would he. Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did. What's it talking about? Can he love me? Would he save me? Could he take me? Did he really? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and praise the Lord, he did. So we're going to just, for those of you who love Southern Gospel type, it's very hard to play Southern Gospel on a trumpet. It's a trumpet. But uh, I'm going to make the attempt, for those of you who don't like it, Take a deep breath. It'll be over in three minutes. Here we go. Can he, could he, would he, did he? Can he, could he, would he, yes he can, he could he, would and he did. Me, would he take me? Can he save me? Did he really? Can he, could he, would he? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did. From the first time I heard about the Lord and his word, I thought this is too good to be true. There were questions and doubts, tried to figure them out. The very best I could do was to wander around in this love that I found till the questions answered themselves singing. Can he, could he, would he? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did. Oh, can he love me? Could he save me? Would he take me? Did he really? Can he, could he, would he? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did.
Can he, could he, would he? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did. Yes, he did. Okay, we survived this Southern Gospel thing. I promised to do a short uh, piece for the children that have come tonight, and a little section to just teach a couple lessons, and we're going to do that right now. Um, we're going to look at something that the Word of God teaches to us, and we know that the Word of God is as a flame to our light, the Spirit of God who illuminates, who speaks to us through His Word. We heard this morning about the uh, fire, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites. And that was his spirit, just leading them, telling them where to go, what was going to happen, where they were supposed to end up. You know, he still does the same thing today. doesn't have a pillar of fire, but he has the fire of his word burning in our hearts as we listen to it, as we obey it, as we follow him. The fire of his blessing in our hearts takes root. Somebody say amen. This is what we believe. This is what we teach. And uh, so I, I want to do something very quickly here. Um, Henri, where are you? Um, I asked you to come and help me do something here. What I have here is a pack of beautiful stones and a pack of five envelopes that match these things. And this is a, the way to salvation, we're going to call this. Okay, the way to salvation. And Henri, all I want you to do is put your hand in here and pull out the first stone that you feel. All right, just pull out a stone. Okay, thank you very much. You may be seated because you have chosen the purple. So what we're going to do... The others are discarded. The purple stone is the lesson that we should have tonight about the way to salvation. Right there it is. Let's look at the ones quickly that you did not pick. You did not pick the green stone, which would match the green envelope. And what is this one? Money. <laughs> Money is not a way to salvation, is it, folks? Although many people think it is. I um, was talking to a man in New Jersey up in, uh, the, in our, near our state of Pennsylvania a few years ago. And after a while in the conversation, I could tell that he wasn't born again. His heart had never been claimed by Christ. And, uh, well, you know, I'm wrong in saying that. It was claimed by Christ. The man just hadn't given it to him yet. So I asked him, uh, well, what makes you sure that you're going to heaven? If you die tonight, what would happen? And he said, oh, I go to heaven. And, well, what makes you sure? That's good. He said, I have lots of money. <laughs> and I said, well, well, that's very nice that you've been blessed that way, but how does that get you to heaven? He said, well, I just bought a brand new organ for my church. And in his mind, that computed to going to heaven. And I said, well, how do you figure that? Um, the Bible says salvation is a free gift, uh, and you're buying it now. So how does that work out for you? He says, well, I look at it this way. God likes music. I like music. I'm in. Wow. Wow. It's actually easy to talk to a man like that because some people think they can buy their way into heaven. I'm glad you didn't pick this one because that is not a way to salvation. You also did not pick the red. What's in the red? Here we go. This is a deck of playing cards. Some people say it's all just a chance that you take. No one can know. Uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I visited a mosque in York, Pennsylvania, uh, we wanted to see what was going on, what was it all about, and talk to some of the men who thought they had left other faiths to become Islam. And I noticed in their, I don't even know what they call it, not sanctuary, but in wherever they worship, 
I noticed 99 little plaques that had been stapled to the walls. 99 names that they assign to their God by the name of Allah. Originally, the moon God from Mecca. And all of them were about forcefulness, about power, about might, about judgment. And I noticed there wasn't one that had to do with the tenderness or with love. And like the songs we sang this morning, God is love, God is love. And I asked them about this. And they tried to explain to me that they're, they're, they're tuned in to, to the power of Allah, but that's it. And I said, well, then what would happen to you if you died tonight? And they said, oh, we hope Allah would be in a good mood. They really, I'm not making this up. And I said, you hope he's in a good mood. Please explain that. They said, well, he is just, he is powerful. And, uh, you know, if, if he's not in a good mood when we die, he'll send us to hell. Because that's where we deserve to go. Well, they admitted that much. And I said, what happens if he's in a good mood? Well, then he may t- take a chance and send us to heaven. And I said, and there's no way to know? No, there's no way to know. You just take a chance. It's all a gamble. And I told him, oh boy, in my Christian tradition, in my scriptures, God has told me these things are written that I may know you have eternal life. Amen. What a difference. Well, so I'm glad you didn't pick that one um, either. She also didn't pick the orange one. What's in the orange one? Ah, the golden rule. Now, the golden rule, you kids know what it is. Do unto others before they do it to you. And um, no, that's not what it is at all. It's do unto others as you would like people to do to you, you know, as you want to be treated. Now, is, that's a good thing, isn't it? We ought to live that way. That's a wonderful way to live. You know, crime would evaporate if everyone lived that way. And the golden rule is good to follow, but it sure won't get you to heaven It sure won't get your sins forgiven, because how good would you have to be? You would have to be more perfect than Jesus himself. Because Jesus was the perfect man who gave the perfect sacrifice, and none of us can be that good. So this is a good thing to do, but it sure isn't a path to salvation. All right, one more that you did not pick, and that's the blue. Oh, the Ten Commandments, closely related to the last. Some people think they can get to heaven if they just obey the Ten Commandments. It's always interesting when someone tells me that to ask them, okay, name them. And they never can. And I find it odd, don't you, that people think they're going to earn their salvation and get to heaven by following a group of laws that they don't even know what they are. Isn't that amazing? No, 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 no. Nobody could keep them. Anyway, there's an episode in the scriptures where Jesus explains that. So this, this, this is not a way to get to heaven at all. Well, there's one envelope back, and it was the stone you picked, the purple stone, to match the purple envelope. <laughs> and you picked the right one. Good for you. There is a way. There is a way available to all of us. God's word says, as many as received him, to them gives you the power to become the sons of God. To everyone. Who believes on his name. There is a way to salvation. It's his name. There is a way to heaven. It's cleansing through his blood. Then and only then can we have the assurance of heaven. So the question is, have you received him? Have you put your trust in him? 
This is the only way, Jesus said. Let me illustrate this with one more thing. We have just a few minutes left to do this. I'm going to need, I need two, two young people to help, to help me with this. And I saw a hand over here real quick. And I saw, I saw a hand right there in the gray. I saw those hands first. Kids, come right up here because everyone needs to see you. They need to see what you do. John chapter 14, verse 6 tells us that Jesus said, he said these words himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said there's no other way. So we want to show everybody that. Let's come right in the middle where everyone can see you. Okay? And I want you to just hold that up so everyone can see that. I would like you to come over here on this side by my trumpet there. And I want you to hold this up so everyone can see that. Okay? And then I want to show you my bag. We're going to teach a lesson to everybody right now. It's going to be John chapter 14, verse 6. And here's the lesson. This is the inside of the bag. That's the outside of the bag. And we're going to put those silks in this bag. All right? Just put them right in there. Uh, there's yours. There's yours. Okay. Now what I want you to do, I'm going to just come right in the middle of you. And I want you each to put your hand in. And I want you to go to the bottom. And I want you to squeeze those two silks together. Are you feeling strong tonight? Just shake your head. Yes, it's a little illusion. Okay. Yeah, good. All right. Put your hand in there. Put your hand in there. And I'm going to count to 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Let's pull out the silk and see how strong you were if you took those two silks and gave us a me- Oh, you did indeed. There is only one way. Let's hold it this way so everybody can see it. Just hold it up for them. There it is. One way. John 14, 6, there's the inside of the bag, there's the outside of the bag. I don't know how you girls did that, but you were pretty good. Let's give them a hand. Wow. Good for you. You can just do this. Thank you. Wow. We have had the mighty privilege in your nation on a number of islands in the past two weeks. It actually started two weeks and two days ago at your youth uh, costume party deal, and then with Matthew at your all-nighter. Good to see you survived. I didn't see you after that, you know. And, and, um, and we had the privilege. And one thing we've been able to teach, uh, mighty, that we have this opportunity in your nation. And, oh, I pray it stays this way. We lost this in the United States years ago. We have been able to present the gospel to multiple thousands of young people. Uh, as clear, clearly and more forcefully than we just did here. And I just thank God for that privilege. It's been amazing. We've been reinforced by teachers. And one day we had one, one what was it on, uh, oh, I can't, uh, somewhere in Abaco. We had 800 students at one class. And then 200 at the next one. We, we presented the gospel to over a thousand kids in one day. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, in this, in the states, we can't do that. And we always ended the program this way, and we're going to end tonight with this. Imagine, after asking everybody, did you ever tell a lie? And of course, everyone put their hands up. What does God call someone who tells lies? What do you call him? A liar. Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Man, well, yeah, yeah. What does God call someone who takes stuff? A thief. And we just started just a couple of the Ten Commandments and then would ask the question, well, listen, if we stand before God and there are the commandments that he gave us to live by and we all confess that we broke this one, we broke that one, we forgot this one, are we innocent or are we guilty? 
We're guilty. This isn't rocket science. And if God can have no sin in heaven, no wrongdoing in heaven, who can possibly go there? And this represents all of our sin, all the mistakes, all of the rebellion, all of the things we've done wrong. And uh, what if, though, what if someone who never told a lie, who never took something that didn't belong to him, who never cheated, who never broke any commandment at all, a perfect one would come and pay that punishment, take your place, satisfying both the justice of God and letting you go free. Wouldn't that be something? That's what Jesus did. So what happens to our sin? Now, this is how this works. You have to watch the silk no matter where it goes. right? Because we used to sing a song. I used to love this song. Gone, 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 gone. Watch the silk. Yes, my sins are gone. Remember, this represents everything you've ever done wrong. This represents every sin you ever committed. This represents every evil thought that you've had. Every wrong deed that you've ever done. The amazing thing about it is, Jesus says, it's as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? You know, if you got on a plane today and just started traveling east, you'd never stop traveling east. You never would stop traveling east. No man knows how far that is, but Jesus says, that's how far I've taken your sin. I put it away. So that when I cleanse your sin, when you call on my name, and I come into your life, I forgive your sin, I'm telling you something, Jesus says it is G-O-N-E, gone. Praise the Lord for that. My sin is gone. Now I have bad news too. If you haven't trusted in Him, if you haven't called in His name, then you're living under that weight of sin. But the good news is at any time, at any moment, right now, you can in your heart call upon Him. He cleanses, He forgives, and every time we stumble, every time we fall, every time we make a mistake, every time we commit a sin, He tells us again that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I wish the so-called religions of the world, with their so-called gods, had something like that. But we do. Let's live that way. My time is already up, but I want to do one more thing. We got here and uh, we noticed Christmas lights coming down some of the streets, and they're already lit. That's pretty cool. Um, up home in Pennsylvania, we had a call this week that said everything, we froze this week already. We hit 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and there was ice on our porch. Well, and we have to go home this week. <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> but um, it's getting cold, and uh, it's getting Christmassy, and the lights were up. And uh, matter of fact, uh, in Egan's home, I hear that he just loves Christmas, and he starts decorating in April. Uh, no, that's not what I heard. But the Christmas tree is up, and we're already enjoying uh, the lights and, and all of that. And I thought, wouldn't it be great tonight if we would just finish our time together uh, with a little bit of, of rejoicing uh, about the season about to come upon us. And let me just ask a question. Pastor Lee, would, would I have five minutes? If I, then I want to tell a story before I do this. Because this story just thrills me, even though it's a relatively sad story, about a young boy in the United States by the name of Jeremy Foster, 
who at 12 years old was still in second grade. He had a debilitating disease that one day was going to claim his life. Um, he would go to school and his teacher, Miss Miller, uh, gave a report that, that he would most of the time just sit there and stare off into space and not be cognizant at all of what was occurring in the classroom. And other times he would become very lucid and would even be able for a brief period of time to participate in class and speak to the teacher. But most of the time he just sat there and and drooled and stared off into space. His teacher said that at one point she called the parents in to discuss it with them because she said her heart was just growing cold about it all. She was so frustrated. And she said to the parents that wouldn't it be better if we removed Jeremy from class and you put him in some special needs school where he might be able to learn something. And, and Mrs. Foster began to, to, to weep into a handkerchief as Mr. Foster said, Oh, but Miss Miller, you don't understand. Jeremy loves it here. He loves you. He loves the children. This is the only place he finds happiness. You would just destroy him if you made him leave. And she agreed to allow him to stay, but she wrote later on that as she looked out, it was a very cold day. And she wrote, my heart was as cold as the weather. They went through the cycle. It came time for Christmas. They had their celebration. She talked about the Christ child and why he came to earth. And then the new year came and they came up to Easter time. And she taught this lesson to her students about the resurrection of Christ. You see, the scripture says if Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain. Um, this is the difference. Grace is the difference. The resurrection is the difference. And so she taught this wonderful lesson to the children, and then she gave them an assignment. She took plastic eggs that she had bought that were empty. I don't know what comes in it. You buy different things in the stores, and they're in these plastic eggs. She gave one to each child. There were 20 people in the class, including Jeremy Foster. And she said, what I want you to do tonight, your homework is this. I want you to go and find something in your imagination, put it in this egg that will remind us of new life. And bring it to school tomorrow morning. And she handed out all of the eggs, including one to Jeremy. And then she thought he wasn't even listening. He was just sitting, staring off into space and drooling. He'll bring an empty egg back. Well, the next morning, the children came excited to school. And they brought their eggs and they put them in a little basket that Miss Miller had prepared for them. They had their math class and so forth. And then she said, now, children, it's time to open the eggs. And she picked up the basket of eggs. She opened up the first egg. And inside of that was a butterfly. It was a plastic butterfly that looked pretty real, very colorful. And she said, oh, yes, that reminds us of new life. Because the worm goes up into the cocoon and comes out a beautiful butterfly. That's great. And one of the children said, that was mine, Miss Miller. The next person uh, had picked a little snow crocus, a little that we have up north, put a flower in there. And she said, oh, yes, when the flowers start poking through, we know new life is on the way. Spring is here. 
And the next one she opened had just a little bit of moss rolled up in there. One of the boys had gone hiking with his dad, and, and that reminded them of new life growing in the forest. And they thought that was great. And she said, good job, John. Then she picked up the fourth egg, and she opened it up. There was absolutely nothing in it. And she thought, oh, Jeremy's. She quickly closed it and put it and grabbed for another one. And just then, Jeremy went into one of his lucid moments. He shouted out, Miss Miller, but you didn't talk about my egg. And Miss Miller wrote that she said, but Jeremy, there's nothing in your egg. And he said, that's right. Because you told us there was nothing in the tomb either. And that reminds me of new life. Wow. She saw in that moment, she said, the coldness of my heart just melted away. And I knew that even this child with a disease that the world doesn't even know how to handle, that he actually brought that story home to the other 19 kids in the class. And we wish the story ended wonderfully. Jeremy was not healed. A number of months later, he passed away. But the community and the church at his memorial service were very surprised and questioning when his casket had 19 plastic eggs on top of them. All of them empty. Because it reminded them of resurrection life. Isn't that awesome? So, we're coming into a season when we celebrate the coming of Christ into our world. Why did he come? To die. That's why he came. And then, to raise from the grave, beating death itself, showing us the way to new life. So I thought tonight I'll finish with this song, if I can. I don't know what happened all of a sudden. If that doesn't give you joy, then you don't like ice cream. Joy to the world. The Lord himself has come. We'll say goodnight with this song. Go ahead, fellas.